Hello, welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Thanks for being with us again here. I always feel just a little haughty saying extraordinary conversation. We'll, we'll see if it turns out to be an extraordinary conversation. It may just be an ordinary conversation with John Mark and Teresa. I have this literally is how they always go. never They're thought of that. extremely necessary. Really? You're going to be thinking of it now. Never. No, I probably won't. <laughs> the conversations are extraordinary in that the point is we're, we're bringing something out of ordinary life, the life that God has called us to, family life, married life, work life, just the normal stuff. We're pulling something out, something that seems ordinary, and we're looking for the extraordinary in it. That's always our starting point is the ordinary life, something that we might have take, taken for granted and seeing uh, the extraordinary opportunities in that thing uh, where God's speaking to us. Yeah. Babe, yes. would you ask me where I went this week? Babe, where did you go this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, we took our mom's group on a pilgrimage to the Blessed Solanus Casey Shrine in nice. Detroit. That's so cool. Um, this doesn't have to do with our topic, but I, well, actually it does because he's a blessed. <laughs> Um, but we were, uh, I wanted to take my, uh, my family wanted to take a pilgrimage up there because a year ago, mm -hmm. my dad received a favor while my mom was praying at the tomb of blessed Solanus Casey. Mm -hmm. Um, he had been waiting for spinal surgery for a long time and was in excruciating pain for maybe a decade. Um, as you would imagine with a, like a spinal problem, <laughs> it would be, um, and while we went up with a um, a friend priest who was taking his parish, and I had never heard of Blessed Solanus Casey. I think I had heard that there was like a priest in Detroit who was going to be canonized or uh, mm -hmm. beatified, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, but I didn't know much beyond that. Um, and so we went up there and my mom was praying at his tomb. She left her phone on the bus and she was praying at his tomb for my dad's full recovery, full healing. Um and there's more to the story, but I don't, I don't want to reveal what my intention was and why it was answered because it has to do with souls. Um, that's not my place. So we'll just <laughs> focus on the physical. Um, and when we got back on the bus, uh, my mom's phone was like blown up with text messages and phone calls saying that my dad's pain, my dad that she had been texting the whole pilgrimage up to that point when she left her phone on the bus, um, his, his pain had gotten so bad. Um, that within 48 hours they ended up in the hospital um and he just couldn't he could not take it anymore um and within 48 hours uh he had his surgery scheduled and this was a surgery that had they just been put off put yeah. off yeah and um and i when my dad was in in the er you know i called the priest and we had um my dad and, and my mom receive the anointing of the sick because my um mom ha is disabled um, in some ways too. And so the priest very kindly administered the sacraments. Um, wonderful. Father Kishore, love him. Um, and so when my dad was in the hospital, I was like, I want to do a novena, but I don't even know if I'm going to have nine days, you know, like they might schedule a surgery immediately. And then, you know, so I was like, I better be, be safe and do a nine hour novena. Um, which is basically, I just set my phone alarm every hour. And then I, I quickly go kneel down, say my novena prayer, and then go back to life with kids. Um, and so my novena was scheduled to end at 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. And at 
Okay, this happens with Novenas sometimes. At 2.55, a friend texted me out of the blue. She has never asked me to watch her kids. I would probably be like third, fourth, fifth down the line, maybe even 10th mm-hmm. of someone she would contact to watch her kids. But she texted me and she was like, a priest friend is coming into town and my husband and I want to take him up to the shrine of Blessed Solanus Casey. Will you watch my kids? And so I called her and I was like, you have no idea. My phone alarm is just going off right now. It's the ninth hour of my novena to blessed Solanus Casey. And I was just like telling her all the stuff that happened, um, crying and whatnot. And from that moment, I knew that my dad's surgery was like, it was totally a product of the intercession of blessed Solanus Casey. So it's been a little over a year, just a little over a year since his surgery. And um, we wanted to go back up and do a Thanksgiving pilgrimage with my dad. Um, And it's a phenomenal place. Like if you have a chance to go there, it is so peaceful. It's in the middle of Detroit, very easy to get to um, right off uh, 75 and um, just very peaceful confessions all the time, um, open to the big uh, Franciscan chapel. We ended up providentially going on the Feast of Santa Maria Daily Angeli. So entering into a Franciscan church, we were able to obtain a plenary indulgence, both for the Feast of Santa Maria Daily Angeli, but also um, for the pilgrimage. So it was just, it was a phenomenal. And he's like the man of miracles. I mean, I think there were like over a hundred miracles before his death attributed to him, which is like unheard of. Um, And they just, they just continue afterwards. So I would really encourage you look into him, look up some podcasts on Blessed Solanus Casey and his and the miracles that he interceded for. Like he was such a humble priest, didn't even have full priest faculty uh, faculties because they thought he was dumb. <laughs> I mean, truly, he was like the doorman, um, and yeah, he was just phenomenal. So yeah. well, now now the whole family's ended up with you know a, this blossoming relationship with him yeah. as a as a saint or soon to be saint, declared a saint. Um, and so the reason I had you bring that up, well, I had you, the reason I had you bring that up is, uh, I wanted wanted to talk about the nature of prayer a little bit today. (laughs) Um, in that, and actually this isn't what we were going to talk about. I'm, I'm changing it now. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh dear. Okay. What I, I, it's interesting about that story, right? It's, we have many stories like that in our married (laughs) family life, um, about the nature of, you know, how the, the ordinary events of life, the aches and pains and concerns, lead us into prayer uh, and how the the movement into prayer um, doesn't always lead into the miraculous, the, the visibly miraculous, although sometimes it does, as in this case, um, but it always leads us more into relationship with other people, with God, and with the saints. Uh, and I want to read this real quick here. This is from the section on prayer in the Catechism, which is a great section. Uh, I mean, uh, all the sections of the Catechism are amazing. This one's particularly poignant. You can just open it up and start reading. There's a lot of treasure in there. This is paragraph uh, 2564. Christian prayer is a covenant relationship between God and man in Christ. It is the action of God and of man, springing forth from both the Holy Spirit and ourselves, wholly directed to the Father in union with the human will of the Son of God made man. So it's interesting to me about prayer here, right? When we when we we wrestle with, okay, what do I pray for or or do I pray for this intention? Or is God really going to do something about this? Um, we're always wrestling with this dynamic of prayer. We need to recognize that prayer is is the relationship. Actually, just a few bar- paragraphs before that, the, par- the catechism reminds us that the relationship with God, we use that term, prayer is the relationship. So prayer is not just us asking for something and hoping we get it. Prayer is this movement of relationship between us and God. And it's not just us speaking, 
It's the Holy Spirit speaking in us, praying in and through us. Um, and what happens in prayer is we're invited into the story that God is writing. That's something I, I find fascinating here about prayer. When we think, when we maybe wrestle consciously or subconsciously with, is this person really going to get better? Is something really going to come out of this? Is it really worth praying for? Do I really hedge my bets and and put my heart into this prayer because maybe something's not going to happen? Recognize that whenever we pray, we're being drawn into his story, God's story. He he wants to work in and through us. This is interesting. And we think about our, our free will as human beings. Um, God doesn't have to work through our free will. He doesn't have to work with us. He doesn't didn't have to become man. He didn't have to work through Mary and her yes. He doesn't have to evangelize other people through our words. He doesn't have to convert people through our example. But he chooses to. He wants to. He wants to involve us in his story. And what I want to talk about today is just that that aspect of prayer on how when we accept God's call into prayer, the reason why stuff happens is because God wants to do amazing things, but he wants to involve us in them. Mm-hmm. And prayer is this preeminent way that he invites us to be part of somebody else's story by being an intercessor for them. What do you think about that so far, babe? Well, it reminds me a lot of like my conversion to fiction. Yeah. Okay, so... Oh my gosh, tell me. I don't little, see where you're going with this. this. I oh, love it. not at all. Wow. Hit me, hit me. So just a little backstory. Um, I'm a historian, and I was a history nonfiction snob for yeah. majority of my life until I If met you've you. watched this show for a while, you may wonder to yourself, how did you two ever actually get married? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many impediments. But. And, we, and we've never even got into all of those things. There's, yeah. Well, we've I, mentioned many of them. It, it is often like, like waking up after a drunken stupor and being like, how did that all happen? Not that I'm... <laughs> Not that I am frequently waking up in drunken stupors, but it kind of did feel like that in the early beginning of our marriage where I was just like, how did he say yes to me? Well, no, I didn't ask him, but like, how did, how did this even happen? How did actually the priest who married us, (laughs) (laughs) Father Mike, Mm -hmm. um, when, when we were both working for him at the time, I was officially working for the parish. You were working for the student, um, the student association. And we came up to him. We're like, we got to tell Father Mike we're dating. Um, And so we kind of like cornered him after a spaghetti dinner in the kitchen. And we were like, so we're dating. And Father Mike looks at both of us and he goes, good job. And then he left. And and we're just like, which Which one one was he talking talking to? to? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, fiction. Thank you for bringing me back. Now, you didn't um, like fiction when we got married. No, I thought it was a waste of time. I know, right? that's just... Like, it's this is exactly what you're talking about. I There are people, and I love you dearly if you're ever watching this and you know it's you, um, who are like, I will believe in God if once every generation he comes down from the clouds and says, I'm here, I'm God, and works miracles, and then goes back up to, I'll believe in God. That That's kind of what it was. I was... I was like towards fiction. I was like, what, why would I waste my time in this fantasy world over here when I could just, somebody could just tell me the truth, the scientific materialist truth about life or the truth. Like, why can't I just read from the catechism? Why do I have to read the lives of the saints? (laughs) Those aren't fiction, but. Well, no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I guess I don't have a a good, well, anyway. Um, The the point was just give me the, give me the end of the story. Give me the moral, give me the content. I don't need this narrative. Right. I don't need this. Yeah. Yeah. And and I believe that when God respects our free will, mm-hmm. 
during the time that we have free will, right? Yeah. Um, that it's a lot like fiction. Like he puts us in in, a, in an experience mm -hmm. so that when normal doubts and things come, we have that experience that no one can take from us, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what fiction is. Like it, put, it places you in a different world. Like C.S. Lewis can place you in purgatory mm -hmm. and make you understand like you could have quoted the catechism about purgatory mm -hmm. back to someone or taught someone about purgatory but after reading that book the great divorce mm -hmm. i like understood purgatory in my being right like the need for purgation and what a beautiful transformative thing it is well one of the reasons why so many of our great stories and i i think of lord of the rings here as one of my my favorite stories the reason why the great stories resonate with us is because those stories remind us of the story we are in. And that's the point I want to make here, right? We, we, we tend to make this dichotomy between nonfiction and fiction. What we actually should be making the distinction is between the stories that we've subcreated with God as artists and the story that we are in, especially if we're, if we're theists, right? That's, that's the, in one sense, that's the big contention between a, a theist and an atheist is the question of, are we in a story or not? In other words, is there someone, a person behind this reality or not mm -hmm. is this is this just stuff that's just happening by chance or is this a story that a divine author is mm -hmm. writing um and that that's a fundamental even if you are a christian even if you are you believe in god you may in your heart be convinced that you're not really in a story that god's not really in control maybe he doesn't really love you maybe he doesn't really have the best out for you maybe things won't actually be okay maybe god helps him who helps himself you have all these things. This is why good theology is important. Why, you know, as, because it's not just that you sort of believe in God on some surface level. It's also that you you seek to be formed in your heart um, with the you know the kind of world that you believe you live in. Um, we can again. I, I can. I I have come to know Christ. I believe in Him. But does my in my heart do I really uh, act and think and feel as if I'm in the story, His story, history, right? Um, and Michael we are, Jackson. Right? Is that that's a, is that a an thing? anthology album? Okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. So if we think about that, you know, that crucial distinction, you know, part of being a Christian, part of being a Catholic, is um, believing and being formed in this that we're in a story. That's what it means to have th that God is real, that we're in His story. Well, if that's the case. So where does prayer fit in that? Well, God, as I said earlier. Uh, God chooses, he didn't have to, but he chooses to work through people, right? He chooses to work through our actions, our words. He doesn't He doesn't sanctify us except through our own decisions. He won't make you holy uh, unless you let him, unless you accept him. And he won't use you to do the good that he wants to do to other people and to the world except by your permission. God is a gentleman like that. He always waits for Mary's yes, her fiat, to uh, to act. Um, because ultimately he wants a relationship with us and you can't have a relationship with somebody you subjugated or forced or turned super, into a robot. Super duper graphic, but it really, really is a point you can't get beyond. Okay. Yeah. What is love without like what, what is love without freedom? Yeah. It's a, it's rape. Okay. So we, we need to have free will <laughs> because God that's not what God is doing. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's it's always Teresa for the win, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I once was in a discussion mm -hmm. with um, a philosopher 
at my college who was an atheist. Yeah. And he was arguing with a priest friend. Well, now a priest friend um, about God, as mm -hmm. always. And, you know, they're always discussing that. And they were talking in like these philosophical terms that like, I don't know, that it just didn't make any sense to me. And yeah. then I must have said something and it must have sounded stupid because he turned his attention to me <laughs> and was like, what if someone were to show you that the gospel of Matthew wasn't real? Mm -hmm. And in my like bartender heart of hearts, okay, my simple waitress heart of hearts, I was like, well, it wouldn't matter because I'm not, I don't believe in God because I've read the gospel of Matthew. <laughs> like if someone were to show that historically as a historian, like the gospel of Matthew was just it wasn't true. There wasn't any, it was made up by someone and we found the documents that said, it. I didn't become, I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't meet God because the document was true, was historically true. Okay. Um, now that doesn't mean that it is, but if we're, if we're thinking of a hypothetical situation, what if we proved that one of these gospels was false, that you guys, that you guys have been following for the last 2000 years? That's not how I met God. I met him and I continued to meet him in prayer. Prayer is a relationship. It's not me talking to myself. It's not me reading, it's not me reading the Bible. Okay. Um, those are means to encountering God. But when you do encounter him for real, he's a person. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, people when they ask a question like that, they're 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 presuming that all of your faith, all of your relationship with God, consists in a relationship with a book, with Material. a document, or with <clears throat> with history, history, which is obviously a messy a messy science, right? Um, hey, did you hear about that Catholic who killed another Catholic? <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> yeah, your whole religion is a sham. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel. Uh, the gospels. There's there's obviously tons of historical evidence for the Gospels and for the historicity of all that kind of stuff, obviously, and you can talk about that. Yeah, no self-respecting historian would doubt that. But those are the stepping stones. Those are the stepping stones for a Christian to approach God. But what, but you come to know you come to have a relationship with God, um, and it's it's not. Um, well, so your point was that God, yeah. prayer is the relationship, mm -hmm. and my point though poorly executed is that it it is the relationship that makes it real yeah well so yeah um it's the relationship that makes it real mm -hmm. um martyrs didn't die for a document martyrs die for the person that they know right okay the 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 person that they have encountered is more real than the punishment that they could incur mm -hmm. um and I, I mean, I think that that, that is also, well, no, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The historicity of the gospels matter, you know, Christ's uh, historical reality matters. But what you're saying is that the relationship with God transcends that. Those may be the starting places, but it transcends that. And it doesn't, it doesn't remain tied to each tiny little bit of historical evidence. It's that the relationship with the person ends up being a more preeminent um, point of evidence in terms of your experience, because you've come to meet God. He's had an impact on your life. He's the author has gotten involved with the story that he's writing in you in a more intimate way. That's part of what being a Christian means is we've experienced that. Right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> where, how do we get off in that tangent? Let's see. 
Um, I mean, the, the 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 Christian life is a story, is what I wanted to to reflect on a bit, and prayer as it fits into that story. Um, again, when we when we pray, um, God's the Holy Spirit prays in and through us. The Holy Spirit prompts us to prayer to pray. Um, and when we we enter when we accept that prompting, we're we're sort of like connecting the wires here. You know, God wants to work in and through us, but He He waits for our invitation. And by praying, we we accept this invitation by God to participate in our salvation and the salvation of other people in this in this unique way. Um, so it's not just sometimes we just think of it as okay, I'm I'm sending out this request to God. Oh man, I hope it works. Mm-hmm. But we have to recognize well, what prayer is is it's less about I'm I'm sending a communique and I'm waiting back for it. It's that I'm I'm entering into the presence of God, I'm connecting with God, and I'm entering into into His story. Mm-hmm. When we look back on our lives, what we'll see is the, the how the the ways the moments that we turned to prayer, to praying for somebody else, or finally praying and being open with God about something we're worried about. Mm-hmm. Those were turning points because those were moments we turned into God. Now we don't always, in the short term, see the effects, see the miracle happen, mm-hmm. but we we begin to see it in the long run how all those moments we turned to prayer ended up being these points where we stepped into the story God was wanting to write in us. Mm-hmm. You know, the story happened because we started playing this role. We started uh, entering into relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So prudence, mm-hmm. the mother and mold of all virtues. Yeah. Um, is what we like to call the right response to reality. Mm -hmm. So you first have to be in reality so that you can have a right response to it, Mm -hmm. okay? And every action comes out of that, right? Turning towards reality and making, hopefully, a right response to it. Um, And when you submit yourself to prayer, um, when you enter into the presence of God, mm-hmm. you are actually placing yourself in reality. There's all these other things that you could worry about. Okay. Right. How to do this, how to take care of this. I need to prepare myself for the fact that I won't get a miracle because I know it probably won't happen. Yeah. We're building up, we're building up these walls and we're 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 trying to micromanage and self-manage. But when we when we place ourselves in the presence of God. We're placing ourselves into reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I used to think that when people would say the practice of the presence of God, which is what we we're going to do this episode about. Okay. Yeah, that'll um, be it'll be a different or, episode. Yeah. We've taken this in a new direction. Go well so it. when we <laughs> when we people would say that mm-hmm. I'd be like, why are we practice, like practice building a habit, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it just sounded very fake mm-hmm. until I realized, um, and I think um, St. Ignatius of Loyola, the beginning of his examine prayer mm-hmm. um, is spending a few seconds placing yourself in the presence of God. Um, and the way that Father Timothy Gallagher explained that I was so, so providentially lucky to have been the recipient of like a week of Father Timothy Gallagher's um, teaching at a focus conference week that I was somehow got there. <laughs> like it, it was really just, it was very providential. Um, and what he was saying is that you're basically, you're putting yourself in reality. And the reality is, is that you're always in the face of God. Mm-hmm. But we don't live like that, mm-hmm. right? Because as soon as you're done praying, it's like, oh, 
kids got to do this, got to, you know, right. move the laundry over, got to start dinner, crap, I forgot this thing, and now my life is ruined. Um, but then placing yourself back into the face of God, back into the presence of God is really like connecting yourself, like you're saying, to that story, but that it's real. Right. And, and I have to make decisions based on the fact that it's real because it is. Yeah. It's not just a story. It's not just like the philosophy that I've chosen for my life, you know, and other people can choose other philosophies. It's that it's real. Yeah. This is another reason why, lit like, so different, think about different kinds of prayer, why liturgical prayer and, you know, these prayers that we receive from uh, Catholic traditions, such as novenas, which I want to talk about here in a second, um, why they're important because they're both, they're practicing the reality of, this relationship with God, you're you're entering into it, you're pra you're rehearsing it, you're practicing it, and it's also forming you to conceive of that relationship rightly, conceiving of God as Creator, as Father, as Author. Uh, we we have prayers that we don't just write ourselves. We have some prayers from the Church that form us in conceiving rightly of who God is and who we are in relationship to Him. We can't enter properly into the story. We can't be play our part in the play. <laughs> Um, unless we understand who we are as a character, who God is, who we are. Uh, again, the Catechism says at the very, at the very beginning of that that uh, section on Christian prayer that this relationship, um, this relationship with God that we're called to, it is prayer. So prayer is not just it just they're not just formulas or just talking or whatever. It, it is the relationship. It's it's entering into that relationship. When we, so I, I work at the Coming Home Network International, I'm the executive director there. We're, we're often working with people, helping people who are thinking about becoming Catholic from Protestant or other non Catholic tr traditions. Sometimes they come to the church and they're trying to get their mind around liturgical prayer or things like novenas. Like, that's mm -hmm. weird. Like, uh, mm -hmm. so, like, I just talk to God and you have like this nine days, the special formula. Is it, is it supposed to be some sort of like magic charm if you just do it right? And, and even I think Catholics sometimes, you know, they wonder like, okay, this novena, do, like, do I have to say it all right? If I get a word wrong, like, mm -hmm. the, and, and how do we, so how do we understand these things? I think thinking of it in the context of, context of story helps to make sense of why these things are important. It's not a magic charm. It's not, it's not that you get the right formula and then God has to do what you ask him to do. No, what it is is that it's almost like if we look back in, in Scripture and we read stories of holy men and women, we see that at turning points in their story, approaching God in these beautiful ways with these beautiful words, you know, uh, offering sacrifice to them or fasting or coming, coming close to God, that ends up being part of their story of how then God sends them out or works through them. A novena is simply a way for us to kind of take ourselves out of normal life into the structured way of of seriously practicing for nine days. I mean, there's significance to that. There can be there's lots of probably significance to that number. I'm not aware of them offhand. The, but the nine days in the upper room that they waited until Well, see, there you go. I knew there was something, you know. But the point <laughs> is, is so, it's so yeah, it, like that's what you'd expect to find in a great story. You, you, you know, the, the character would pick a number of significance and say, Lord, I'm going to pray for you, pray to you for nine days for this intention over this person I'm, I'm loving and I'm wanting you to help. And again, it's not a magic formula. It's entering into a relationship with the almighty God mm -hmm. and playing uh, into his story that he wants to write. He wants to work through you, but it's so hard for us to sometimes to step out of our comfort zone, to step out of our doubt, to step out of our fear and just be a part of the story. Well, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Why didn't Gandalf just ask those damn eagles to fly Frodo to Mount Doom and throw in the ring? 
Okay. Well, there's um, uh, there's basically two schools of thought. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll tell you the answer I want you to give me. I know the answer you want me to give you. Uh, and that is that it would make a dumb story. No. <laughs> That's not the answer? Well, yeah, but I mean, so if, if it all just happened. Yeah. It all just happened and no one knew about it. Right. Would any of those lives right. who had to who had to wrestle with evil, who had to lose because of evil, who had to had to lose yeah. because of sin, and who had to find it within themselves to do courageous things? Right. Um, like Yeah, because those eagle, are the points the, of the story. It would have just flown overhead and it would have all been done right. and it would have all been taken care of. That's a good point. No, that's a great point. Yeah, because yeah, the point we ask, what's the purpose of human life? Like, why am I here? Right. Those, 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 those big questions behind everything. Well, the, the, the reason that we're in this story, the reason God is writing this story is for our good. You know, the story, everything that we go through, everything that we're allowed to go through, God has allowed. It's in his story. It's either happening, uh, you know, through us or in spite of us. God's story is happening, but it's happening for our good. Mm-hmm. And so the question is whether we choose to participate in that or not. And when we ask questions like, why is there evil? Or why couldn't the eagles just fly the ring or X, Y, or Z? The point is, is that the that would subvert the purpose of the story, which is to save souls, which is to help hobbits become heroes, which is to help to restore the king, which is to uh, all those little conversions. It's almost like the the point of the big story is all the little micro stories. Mm-hmm. Each person's life. That's the point, and that's why, um, if if God just you know willy like you know if I oh man I really wish Grandpa would get healed, that may not happen because part of the point of his healing may be your conversion, when you finally let down your guard and and, and really open your heart to the Lord and say Lord, mm-hmm. I want him to be healed, mm-hmm. you know I want you to help me with the situation. Because yeah. that's the point is for you to come into relationship with God and for that person to come in relationship with God. Why can't this, why can't my relative ever get a job? Well, maybe his soul would be damned if he had it. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe where he is right now is where he's supposed to be so that the temptations are not so big. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's in the mind, we can't see from God's perspective, so we can't see all the reasons, but we do know that at every moment, we have a way to begin participating in the story. Whenever we look out there and we see something that's not right, um, obviously, if it's something we can practically affect, then we should be practically affecting it. You know, <laughs> if we can get our hands in and do something. But most of the time, we can't. We're one step removed, or we just can't quite get an opening to help that person or to fix that situation. But we always uh, have the opportunity to pray, and Christ calls us to pray at all times. Yeah. And so that's the question we have to ask ourselves here when we think about, we see these situations, we say, God, why would you let this happen? We have to recognize we're in a story and prayer is one of these primary ways that God is calling us to participate in the story. Sometimes through our prayer, uh, God then works something miraculous that happens a lot when you actually start praying and praying specifically. But also sometimes you you pray and then you're ready and God mm-hmm. does give you an opening. He does bring out that conversation. He does, you know, open up that opportunity, open that door for you in a way that wasn't there before until you finally took it to prayer. Prayer is one of these primary ways that we enter into the presence of God, enter into relationship with God and enter into his story. So that's, that's all I got for that. I just want to talk to you about that today. So thanks for taking our kids to the Solanus Casey shrine. Uh, that, that was so that cool. was a very kid friendly place. Yeah. Yeah, I've been places that were not kid-friendly. It was a very kid-friendly place.
Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Uh, again, think about uh, prayer and the story and, and pilgrimage, these ways that these practices from the church, these spiritual disciplines, think of them as ways that we enter into God's story. He's inviting oh. us to step into the story. Yeah. And if you're planning on taking a pilgrimage, know for sure that there will be a moment when you think it would be absolutely impossible for you to go. Ah. Pray through that. I mean, you never know. Things do happen. People go to the hospital, but like pray through it. God doesn't want, or God wants you to go on that pilgrimage yeah. and someone else doesn't. Step into the story so, and be ready for the spiritual yeah. battle that'll come with it. Heck yeah. Dang. Uh, yeah, okay, well. Sometimes things that Teresa <laughs> says make sense and are on point. Let us know what you think. Again, I hopefully that God's something story. was inspiring or thought-provoking, but we want to know what you think about that. Uh, so again, this is Elevate Ordinary, Extraordinary Conversations uh, about the Ordinary Pursuit of Truth, Goodness, and Beauty. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless you.